Well, the reading this morning that I have been given, which is a psalm, uh, Psalm 13. Please, if you have a Bible, would you open if not? Is it going up? Again, you get it up? Psalm 13. It's, um, you know, some days we don't want to sing. We don't feel like singing. And, um, but God has given us, God wants to sing, and God has given us a songbook. It's called the Psalter of the Psalms. But a third of them are what's known as laments. In other words, singing when you don't feel like singing. And this is one of them. So if you have a, if you have a Bible, would you turn with me to Psalm 13? Where King David says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And every day, or all the day, I have sorrow in my heart. How long will my enemy triumph over me? Look on me and answer, O Lord, my God. Give light to my eyes, or I will sleep in death. My enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, for he has been good to me. Well, that, that is the word of God. Well, as I say, there are certain days when you come to church or you don't feel like singing. And uh, that's what these psalms are about. Some days. I remember reading, not recently, about a, a young man called Simon Wheatcroft who, through some degenerative eye disease, lost his sight of his eyes. And he, um, he took it running, strange it may seem. Not only running, he took it marathon running. And he was obviously... Quite good at it, uh, but you, how do you run as a marathon when you're blind? Well, what you do need is not high technology. You have you're tethered by a rope or something to to a colleague, a friend, a, a guide who will run with you through this. I don't know how long the rope is between you and and run the race with you. And and Simon says this. I read this. When you ask why people run it, the marathon that is. It's a long distance. It's normally about freedom and independence to go and push yourself. But you can only push yourself as much as the person you are joined to. And I guess that's true for a blind person. But isn't it some days we feel we are running in the dark and the, 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 the tether, the rope to God or whatever joins us is very slack. Where is he? Where am I? Where? And we feel we're running in the dark. I remember a young woman who was in hospital, and she was visited by the pastor or the minister, and uh, she had a serious nervous, well, not nervous neural condition. And she was really depressed. She, she had four children. She was deeply in debt. And on top of that, at that time, her husband was also in hospital. And the pastor went to see her and... Um, and she was haggard, her head was shaved, because she, presumably for some future operation. And uh, she just said to the pastor, Pastor, has God forgotten me? 
And there are some days you think, has God forgotten me? There's no, I have no sense of God. And it's like that with David. How long? I, he has no sense of God. God seems a million miles away. Where is he? And um, he seems to have lost contact. And um, he just feels lonely. And um, Now, we can be like that for, for, for different reasons. In life, certain things that happen to us. Maybe your spouse dies or your spouse leaves you. Or, you know, your, your children do things that you, the last thing you want to do, drive you mad. Terrible things. Or you maybe have a serious medical condition that is desperately uh, affecting you. Um, it may be actually, you, you know, you're just new in the country or you're new in the church and you think, where is God? Does anybody know me? Where, I'm lonely. And... Um, and this is really what's going on. And when people say, oh, are you fine? No, you're not fine at all. Don't lie. You know? And we do despair. Even David despairs here. Um, Jonah despaired. Um, Paul the Apostle despaired. And so it happens. And we'll see why. In a bit. But David, you get the passion of the man. How long? This is, you know, how long? It's not some little Anglican ditty, this, of Psalms. No, no. This is a man, a, a soldier man. How long? Four times. How do you sing this? Well, it's meant to be sung in some ways. And David's in a bad way. And the, the concern is, how long is it going to last? Now, look, let's look at the text. Let's look at the text. Is the text up? Can you put the text up, Peter? But the first, if you have a Bible, the first, my, his first concern is with God. Let's look. Let's try and follow it through. Because this is the word of God, not what I said. This. How long will you forget, forget me? Forever? You see, he's prayed and nothing's happened. He's prayed many times. There's no answer. Perhaps he feels small. Well, who am I? I'm insignificant, a very ordinary person. There are 2.4 trillion stars in the universe for every one human being on the planet. He wouldn't know that, but you know that now. <laughs> and you think, how, you know, who am I? And we're getting older. Well, I am. Some of you definitely aren't. But no, we, you know, who it, is it significant? And, uh, and suffering asks these questions. And the great thing is, will he forget me forever? Now, the great thing is, if you look at the text, that fortunately, he's still praying. He's still praying. So that's the first good sign. Second good sign is how long is, is, he uses the word Lord. Now, that's quite right. The NIV, it's, it's in capitals. It's deliberately in capitals in the Bible because that's the translation of the Hebrew Yahweh. Nobody knows how they pronounce Yahweh, actually. But that means... He is the covenant God, the God who's entered into relationship with his people. The God who said, I will look after you. I will care for you. God, I will not forget you. So he's still reminding himself every time he uses that word of this God. And um, who's committed himself to his people, those who trust him. He can't forget his people. He can't forget anything, God. If he could forget anything, he would cease to be God. The trouble is, 
we, in our culture, certainly today, we are consumers. That means we want it now. We don't want to wait. The worst, the national health system, the worst thing about it is the waiting list. You know, we don't want to wait. I seem to travel a lot these days on the motorway. And I spend my time parked behind somebody in front of me. How long? How long is this going to go on? Now, fortunately, I have a godly wife who keeps me fairly sane. Well, no, she keeps me from going totally off the scale. You know, but, you know, how long is this going to go on for? Anyway, I won't, go, I won't rehearse the arguments. All you, all you men know best like me. Um, and we want to fix it. Fix it. Well, God will fix it, but it takes time. I was talking to somebody the other day who had a congenital illness, and they said, you know, it's, we've been 20 operations, and it's, it's nearly there. But it takes time. But we, we, we haven't time. He hasn't forgotten. We don't feel it's around. He hasn't forsaken it. We don't feel it. How long will you hide your face from me? Can you put it up again? How long will you hide your face from me? How long? Now, face in the, in, the, in the Hebrew simply means your presence. You know, I just want to, I, I want to be conscious of your presence. You know, you're acting as if I, I didn't exist. You know, the great prayer of the, of the Old Testament, the Aaron's prayer, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. What he's saying is, you know, apart from all these little phones you have and all that, those bit things, you know, it's, you, you can use phones to talk to people, you know, as well as text. He, he, he says, it would be nice to see your face, it, wouldn't it? And that's what he's saying. Lord, it would be nice to be conscious of you, to be aware that you're with me. I need that. But as it were, um, the fog has settled. If you go down to Dover, sometimes you look across and France is gone. Don't say praise the Lord. It's um... <laughs> no, but it, it, it's it, it, where's France? Well, it's foggy. It's a sea fret. Are you sure it's there? Yeah, it's definitely there. I, even after Brexit, yeah, it's still there. <laughs> but um, but it's gone, and we don't see it. And sometimes it's like that with God. But then his second concern is with himself, verse 2. How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? Day after day I have sorrow in my heart. You know? He goes over it again and again. You know you have these scenarios and you go over them again and again. You know? It's like a little video in your head and you play it again and again and again. And he, and he, he does it. It's like that. And uh, it's like giving meds, giving tablets to kids. Don't, you say, don't chew it, swallow it. Because they chew it. Oh, it's horrible. I said, don't chew it, swallow it. But we, we have a habit of chewing things. We shouldn't chew. And he's chewing these things. He's going over them again and again. And we talk to himself. Now, there is a place to talk to yourself. It's very important to talk to yourself. Psalm 42, 43. Why you, you talk? Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will, yet, I will yet trust him, my Savior and my God. You talk to yourself. But there's a wrong way of talking to yourself. 
And this is it. You go over them, you know. I'm useless, it'll never happen. You know, it's terrible and all the rest. And you feed yourself on belief. And then he says, day after day. Day after day, he says. All day long. All day long, he's saying. All day long, day after day. It's like, you know, if you're a bad tooth or an ulcer, you know, your tongue is always chasing it. Leave it alone. And sometimes we're like that. We have a problem. We can't leave it alone. And David's like that. And then the third concern is he's with his enemies. How long will my enemies triumph for me? There are certain people who will be glad when you come a cropper. They'll be delighted. And David's like that. I don't know who they are, whether in the court or other tribes or other, certainly other nations. But David... David, he knows there are people who will be glad when, he, when he, he fails. And that's true. It's true in the world. You know, in your office, people will be glad if you don't get the contract, you don't get the deal, you, don't, you lose the client because, well, you know, he's a Christian. You know, I, it was too big in his boots anyway, you know. And all. They're, they're really glad. And it's like that. It's true in academia. In your universal lecture, if, they, if you get a bad result, well, you're a Christian. You've stood in the class. You know, they're glad. They always want to mark you out. There's always will be that way. I just finished a book called America's Past about Billy Graham. And Billy Graham got millions of letters each week. And well, no, nearly. No, not a week, but years. But he got an awful lot of really nasty, vitriolic letters to such an extent that the FBI said, you must put a big fence around your house. And they were serious. And the tragic thing, most of those nasty letters were from churchgoers. But that's another story, as it were. But he says, you know, my enemies will say, I have overcome him. <laughs> and my foes will rejoice when I fall. I don't know what's going on, but... David's, whether it's a domestic household problem, I don't know. And when we're down spiritually, the trouble is we do silly things. We make wrong decisions. We sin. Well, we've done something wrong, blow it. We'll do that and do that. Better be hung for a lamb, was it? A sheep than a lamb. All that business. And um, now, my, your enemies can produce a very vicious skirmish. They can break your heart. They can lead you to sin, but they cannot win the war for your eternal soul. They can do a lot of damage, but they can't finally take you out of the plan and grace of God. That's why every week I have to say to myself, as the Apostle Paul says, you know, he says, who shall separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus? Shall trouble? Any got any trouble? Shall hardship, anywhere hardship, shall persecution or danger or a sword, war? As it's written, we, we, we face death all day long. We are considered sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced, I am sure, says Paul. Not neither death nor life, nothing in life, nor angels, nor powers, nor the present, nor the future <laughs> shall be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's true. We need to tell ourselves every day, every day, every week that. The great thing 
David is still talking to himself, which is a good thing in that sense. He hasn't lost hope. He's still talking to the Lord. The relationship is, is still going on. They're still on speaking terms. He doesn't feel it. He doesn't hear a lot coming down the line, but he's, he's still talking. And uh, if he listened to what he's saying, he'd realize that he hasn't been abandoned because he's still talking. But let's move on quickly. Let's move on to verse 3. And then he has specific requests. Verse 3, look on me and answer, O Lord. Look on me and answer me, O Lord. He looks to the Lord. Again, remember capitals, the Lord, the one who's covenanted to look after him, who, who, who's totally faithful to his promises. He says, would you please look when I call to you, Lord, please. It's like, you know, it's like at school. We're in a school here, aren't we? You remember when we went to school? Some of you can't remember that long ago. I know that, but some of you, I shall be nameless. But, uh, you know, you, miss, miss. And, uh, anybody know? Miss. Anybody like to help? Sir, sir. And you put your hand up. You put your hand up, right? And he's saying that. Lord, and he said, Lord, Lord, he says, look on me. Lord, here I am. Look on me. Raise his hand. Look on me. And... Um, Oh, he's still hanging on to God. Do you know where I am, Lord? Do you know where I am? Do you know what's going on? I would like to know that you know where I am. I, it wouldn't be too bad if I, knew, if I knew this would end. And I could go on if I knew it would end. But it's better to cry to God than not cry at all. I mean, David says, you know, uh, Psalm 32, isn't it? When I kept silent... My bones sort of, was it wasted away. That's true. When you don't bring these things to God, what happens is a bitterness comes. Envy comes, bitterness, anger. You chew over these things and, and it grows. And, and what David says, well, that's fine, but it's not fine. You will rot. You will rot. I waste away inside, he says. So you've got to, you know, go and tell the Lord. I mean, fortunately, we live in a lovely area, don't we? I was out in the woods this morning, and, uh, you know, we're just blessed. And you can go and you can tell the Lord what you think, and he'll tell you. <laughs> the birds don't mind. Every day. And that's what he does. But don't keep silent or you rot. You know? You know a root of bitterness will come up. But who do we shout to? Who do we talk to? Well, that's a difficult bit. Well, it's not some higher power. It's very simple. It's either to your father or to Jesus. See, I don't understand all this stuff. Well, fortunately, God became a man, a Galilean carpenter. And Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the, the Lord. I and the Father are one. So when you're all bemused and you can't, don't know where you're coming, and going, you talk to him or better, he says, talk to my father. That's what we do. But let's move on quickly. This young lady said I could go on as long as I liked, she says. <laughs> but then she said, oh, I didn't say that. But I love her anyway. But anyway. Anyway, look, let's go on. He says, look, move on. Give light. Give light. Give light to my eyes. I need revelation. I do need revelation. You know, that's what it looks for. And um, that's what we need. He says, because, he says, or I will die. In, he says, I will, I will 
die. Sleeping death. Well, the illustration he's using, you know, they used to have rules of war in the old days. You know, in other words, there was a certain heralds, and the heralds guarded the battlefield. But apart from that's very modern, but in one sense. But, but you used to be able to go back onto the battlefield and find your colleagues who were dead or dying. And the situation is, David goes back and finds one of his colleagues who's die, dying. And he cradles him in his arms and he talks him. We would pray for him. And then perhaps he would sleep. He'd just slip into death. And David says, that's how I am. You know, my, I, I was just sleeping death. I'm, I'm really at the end, he said. I'm really at the end. And I need you to, to break in. You know, I need come and speak to the eyes of my heart. Come and speak. I need light. Well, you say, who am I? I'm useless. Well, I saw a lovely T-shirt. It said, blessed are the cracked, for they let light in. You may mention it. <laughs> but seriously, you know, we do need God to give light. I need revelation. But just talking to him is a start. You may be ill, but going to the doctor is the start. It's the beginning. It may not be the end, but it is the beginning. And beginning to talk, this is what it's about. These things are written to do us good. And um, he's going to come to God. He comes to talk to God. God is not going to solve all his problems. God is not a lucky charm, a genie you can rub the lamp and push. Say a few verses of Scripture and it'll be all fine. No. Yeah, I just want to be aware of your presence. He doesn't want, I don't think he even wants relief. He wants God. This is what we need, my friends. It's not minimizing your pain, your suffering, your grief, your trials. But actually, we are wired as human beings. The only thing that satisfies us, human beings who are made in the image of God, is God himself. Lord, I want you just to know that you're with me. He is still the God of all comfort. He's still the father of all mercies, isn't he? And uh, I remember a pastor and his wife contracted this terrible illness in the 90s. And it would mean, well, it has meant that she's been in a wheelchair, really seriously ill. And he, and he got really, dis, he was really despairing. And he quoted this psalm in the middle of the night. He was saying, Lord, how long? And he says, in the middle of the night, in agony of heart, he's lying, lying in bed and just God spoke to him. Through Psalm 18. And the word was, ask the Lord. His way is perfect. And he said, that came. The glory it was so bright and strong. He said that he never looked back after that. He never doubted or, or challenged God who had permitted this to happen. Still prayed for a healing. But that's what we need, my friends. That's why we need to be in this book every day. Lord, let word come from your light, come from your word. Teaching is not sufficient. We need revelation. Teaching is essential, but you need more. You need revelation. That's what the David says. Give light. Give light to my eyes. And, um, or I will sleep in death. And um, anyway, he said, and he says, look to me. Give light to my eyes. And then, it, then finally he concludes joyfully. The problem is still there, but God, as it were, puts new glasses on him. And verse 4 says, you know, as I tr- but, verse 5, but as I trust in two things, your unfailing love. That's the first thing. This, this, this is where you start. 
It chooses to trust. I'm not going to be angry or, or bitter. Uh, I'm going to trust. You see, he has... You can't... You can't choose to be taller. I've longed for that. Especially as a, a, a rugby player, a cricketer. You can't do it. You can't choose to be more intelligent. She, in our class, was so intelligent. You can't choose other parents. Sorry about that. But you can choose to trust. And so you choose to trust. And he chooses to trust, you know? And, um, and that's what he does. And nothing changes in one sense. The boss doesn't go in on an extended leave, the difficult boss. The people in the office are still miserable. Your son's marriage is still as bad as ever. Your daughter's still playing away and you... Who can say? Uh, you know? But you can choose to trust. And, that's really, and he focuses on two things. Firstly... I focus on your unfailing love. This wonderful Hebrew word, chesed, which means covenant love, infinite kindness, endless love, everlasting love, amazing. You can translate any of those. It's a wonderful word. And he focuses on this. And that's how you've got to do this Sunday morning. I don't know what you're going through. And he, and, and he, he see, God has committed himself to his people. He's, he's unswervingly, unchallengingly committed to look after you. He's taking full responsibility for you. He set his affections on you. Well, I don't feel. I know you don't feel it, but that's another story. We, if we had time, we could unpack all that. But God hasn't changed, and that's what He's saying. He's committed to you. He's committed to your eternal joy. He's committed to even your suffering. To bring you to your eternal destiny. The fog may not have lifted. When darkness seems to hide his face, what? I rest on his unchanging grace. I trust in his, your unfailing love. And that's it. It's, um, you know, it is, I think it was Spurgeon, the Victorian preacher. They, had, they saw this, winter, this weather vane, it said, God is love. And his friend, his, and this cynic said, well, of course, is that God's love? God's love changes with the wind, does it? No, he said, wherever the wind goes, God's love goes. And that's it. But what's happening to you this morning? I, if we had time, we could unpack that bit in Deuteronomy 32. You remember when Moses, they come out of Egypt, and, 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 um, and Moses uses that wonderful illustration about the eagle. And he says, as the eagle stirs up its nest... And you remember the, the story, this eagle has a huge nest right at the top of the cliff, hundreds of feet up on this little red ledge, and there's this eagle having a great time, turkey, every, not turkey, sorry, forgive that. Uh, it might be turkey. Uh, let's say trout. Trout every four hours. Wonderful, wonderful. And then suddenly, this, I don't know what got into Dad that morning. He just bangs with his wing. Boom! And this pull at legal, it's, whoa, he's dead. What? Hell, how long? What's this going on? What's going on? And he's, he's plummeted down to the black rocks beneath him. But it says, he hovers over its young. 
and spreads its wings to catch them and carries them in its pinions. He comes, and he comes, and he comes and he takes you back. What was all that about, Dad? What was going on? But he has a plan, and God has a plan for your life. I'll tell you a plan for your life. He will make you to have the character of Jesus Christ. That's the one single plan for your life. You either go with it, or you'll bang your head against life forever. But that's his plan. And all of it's towards the end. We haven't time to unpack that either, but that's what it's about. But David knows. David knows that there's something else which is to do with he says, I rejoice in your salvation. And what's he talking about? Because David knows there's something more important than his present problems. And there's something more important in life than your present problems, black though they are. It's your cosmic destiny. That's what matters. Because actually, we've all broken God's law. We've all done our own thing. We're all selfish, lustful, lazy, miserable sinners. And that's not just a theological statement. We all do our own thing. And if God is going to be true to his holiness, he will one day throw us off this fair universe, even off the new heaven and new earth, and we'll go into eternal conscious hell. That's not, Jesus said that. And David knows that. But David knows that God has a salvation. Whatever that little buzzword means, it means that God, he's going to get him out of the incredible mess and he's going to forgive him for the past, to deal with the guilt of his past. And he's going to look after him now. And he's going to look at, take him to his eternal presence. And that's his destiny. That's the salvation. And that's what he, he hangs on to in the lowest moments. And we are the same. See, David had only got a few animal sacrifices, which were a sort of temporary you know, thing as a stop gap, really, to put them off until the real thing. And the real thing has come. David got forgiveness through the animal sacrifices. God ordained them. But now, you won't believe this. God has sent his son. God became a man to deal with your guilt and your sin to stop you from going to an eternal hell. That's the gospel. Amazing. Now, you may have a lot of problems. I'm sure you've done the problems. Join the club. But this is the big problem. And David says, whatever happens, I have a destiny. And that's what it's about. And, uh, and and David looks on his call. I'm nearly finished. Don't worry. He, he looks on his call and his forgiveness and his life and the way God has helped him. And this perfect God has taken upon Himself for every believer the, the upon Himself that we will enjoy the full and final and complete deliverance and transformation. God has promised that. You know, the last 40 years I've gone, God has been good. I've gone all, all over the world, South America, India, Africa. And you go in these tribal places, these people, just wonderful people, believers. They have nothing but what they stand up in. I tell you what, it's just a blessing. The praise and the worship, because they've got one thing. They know that the living God has taken hold of them. That's all that matters. You may have got degrees coming out of your ears. You may have the best house in Hazelmere. But actually, unless you've got Christ, you have nothing. And that's what he's... And, and David had only got a, a glimmer of it. And we've, got, we've read the whole thing. 
And so he says, my heart rejoices. And he looks back on his life. He looks back at his life. And this is, this is, isn't this your testimony, verse 6? I will sing to the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. He has, and one verse says, he has been bountiful to me. And that's it. And uh, God has given us a songbook. And it's about, I remember reading uh, this week about a missionary called Alan Gardner. And he, he was in the South, South America, right at the bottom, Patagonia. And uh, in Tierra del Fuego. And he was really sad at the end. He was a strange guy, but his missionaries had left him. And he was surrounded by hostile people. But his faith, uh, and he died, I think, of starvation under a boat on a beach. And, and it says, but they found his diary. And it says, he quotes Psalm 34. The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they that seek the Lord shall lack for no good thing. And there he is. And it, it writes in his diary in very feeble handwriting, I am overwhelmed by the sense of the goodness of God. That's what it's about. I'm not promising an easy life. I'm pro- but if you have God, you can cope with anything. Can't you? I tell you, you can because that's how we're made. And we can say with the psalmist, he has been good to me. See, D- David, David had um, a greater son. His name was Jesus. He liked the psalms. And on the, um, on the cross, he quoted a psalm. Remember Psalm 32, 22? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now, we haven't time to unpack all that, but simply say this. He, the Son of God, was forsaken, believer, that you will never, never, ever be forsaken. That's it. He was forsaken. He took your sin, your guilt, all your grot, that you will never ultimately be cast away from the presence of God. And that's a great comfort. That's a great blessing. And so... As we look at this psalm, we, we move out in faith. We trust the Lord, right? And we concentrate on two things. His love, his chesed, his endless love, and his great plan, his salvation for you. And we can say, he's been good. Oh, oh yes, there are days. There are days when we're knocked off the cliff and we're, we're going down. And we say, Lord, help, help, help. And he comes and rescues us. Because he says, look, trust me, but I can't see you. That eaglet can't see the air, but it will bear its weight if it will flap its wings. If you will trust me, you will prove me. Just be like the little eaglet. I'll come and rescue you. Don't worry, you are not going to hit the deck. You're not going to hit the deck. I will look after you. And I will sing. We haven't time to get onto that now, but that's where it ends, doesn't it? It starts... With morning, as it were, how long? And he finishes up with, he has been good to me. None of us will ever get to the end of life and say, God, the Lord wasn't very good to me. Will we? The Lord has been good to me. And all the people say, Amen. Amen.